You are listening to Jonah, a sermon series about the biblical account of Jonah. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. We're continuing our series in the book of Jonah, and I really have enjoyed this series. But as we get started this morning, let me just ask, have you ever been given a present that you just weren't real sure about. Maybe you just weren't real excited about anybody. Maybe it was a Christmas present. Maybe it was a birthday present. Maybe it was just something that someone else saw that made them think of you. And so when they gave it to you, you were, they were very excited about giving it to you. But when they gave it to you, you didn't share their excitement. Has that ever happened? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well, this past Christmas, I bought my mom, I bought my mother-in-law, and I bought my sister, and we bought our father, I bought my father-in-law, that's not our, anyway, uh, but we, we bought uh, Amanda's dad uh, a present, and uh, it was an amazing gift, it is an amazing gift, and I didn't realize it at the time when I bought it, but it was actually going to be imported from Germany, everybody say, wow. Wow. I mean, it's all the way from Germany. So we ordered this and we didn't realize it at the time, but it actually took three months to get here. And so we didn't, we didn't get it in time for Christmas. We didn't get it in time for Christmas, but it finally came in. And so Amanda and I, we were super excited about giving this gift away. And so one day uh, my mom and her mom were over at the house. And so we were excited. We're going to give them this gift. And so, I mean, it was, it, I was expecting just great things. I made them sit down on the couch, you know, cause I was afraid they were going to faint. That's how awesome this gift was. I was afraid they were going to be so overcome with emotion that when they opened this, they just weren't going to be able to stand it and they were just going to fall out. And so they opened the gift, both of them at the same time. And instead of really sharing the excitement that I had, they just kind of looked at it like this. (laughs) And I, I was going, man, what in the world? And I don't have any idea why they didn't really like the present, because let me show you what we got them, man. This is, this is amazing. Check this out. Y'all about to be shocked here. Oh, y'all are going to be like, I want one. Check it out. It's a blanket with a picture of me and my family on it. Now they can take us anywhere they want to take us. Isn't that awesome? Man, they could use this as like a stylish shawl, you know. If they go out to eat, they could use it as a bib. The possibilities for this gift are endless. But they weren't real excited about it. Really, really hurt my, hurt my feelings. They weren't excited. Well, today I want to talk to you about what God gives us. I want to talk to you about what God gives us. And and as we start, what I want you to know is whether you realize it or not, whether I realize it or not, I want you to know today that God doesn't give bad gifts. He doesn't give bad gifts. In fact, if you're taking notes and you want to write these down, the first thing that I want you to see that God gives us is God gives us a second chance. God gives us a second chance. If you've got your Bible, again, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. Go to Jonah chapter 3. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 to begin with. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, I need to stop right there for just a second because we have read that phrase before. The word of the Lord came to to Jonah. We have read that phrase before. In fact, in Jonah chapter 1, verse uh, verse 1, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came to 
Jonah. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah in chapter 1. And the word of the Lord doesn't just come to Jonah again in chapter 3. It it, it comes to him a second time. It comes to him again. And that excites me. To me, this is one of the most exciting verses in the entire book of Jonah. Because what we have here is a God who sits on high. And we have a prophet who in chapter 2 says, you know what? I was wrong in my thinking, God. And I want to submit to you. I want to surrender to you. I want to do what it is that you have called me to do. And this verse, in this verse, what we have is God Almighty sitting in the heavens. He's not condemning Jonah. He's not putting Jonah on the shelf because he wasn't obedient to him. He's not, he's not saying, Jonah, because you disobeyed me, I am through with you. That's not what our God does. See, we serve a God who gives second chances. And I, for one, am glad that that's the kind of God we serve. Because have you ever needed a second chance in your life? I have. I know that I have. I've needed, I've needed second chances. And so I thank God so much that he speaks to us again, that he gives us these second chances. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, and it comes to us a second time. Time. This is so important because oftentimes in my life, the way that I need to describe myself is the same way that the Apostle Paul described himself when he said, Hey, you know what? I, I am chief of sinners. Oftentimes I'm like Peter and I don't really, I don't really boldly preach the message that God would have me to do. I'm oftentimes I'm like Samuel, the person who really hears from God, but then I wonder if it really was him. And oftentimes I'm like Jonah, you're like Jonah. We are people who do hear clearly from God, but instead of doing what it is that God would have us to do, we often run in the opposite direction. But God gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. For some of the people in this room, that is the word that you need to hear today. That is the word that you need. You've been waiting on. God really is not through with you. I heard a a story, a true story about a guy named Daniel who was in his 30s and he went to this church. He went to this church and it was one of those real reserved churches that when you when you were in there, if you raised your hand, people literally thought you had a question. You know what I mean? Where people looked at you like maybe you might be a disturbance if you were raising your hand. Well, Daniel would be at church every time the doors were open, and Daniel would sit on the front row, and Daniel would raise his hands in worship. And not only would he do that, but Daniel would dance in church. It didn't matter if it was a fast song or if it was a slow song. Man, he was going to dance. Well, finally, after some time, some of the real spiritual people in the church decided they were going to go to Daniel and say, man, what is up with this, Daniel? Why do you keep doing this, Daniel? What's going on? And so why do you dance? Why do you do this? And so Daniel said, well, it's real easy. I can can tell you exactly why I do it. And Daniel said that when he was 15 years old, he said, I was on on the wrong side of a drug deal that went bad. And he said, and I actually pulled the trigger on a gun that killed another teenager. And he said, I was sentenced to juvenile prison until I was 18 years old. But And and when I turned 18, I was going to have to stand before the judge again and receive another sentence that I was pretty sure was going to be a a life sentence. And so every day that passed, he said, man, I dreaded it. 
because I knew that I was that much closer to my 18th birthday when I was going to receive this sentence. And so he said when he turned 18 years old that he had to go and stand before the judge. And when he stands before the judge, he felt different. He felt loved by the judge. He felt loved by the people in the room. And when the judge did deliver his sentence, all the judge sentenced him to was probation. And so he looked at his lawyer and he said, man, how in the world, how in the world is this possible? And the lawyer said that while he was in juvenile prison, that the grandmother of the boy that he killed actually wrote a letter to the judge. And in that letter, the grandmother said, judge, give that boy a second chance. So Daniel told the people of that church, you know what? I will dance every day and I will raise my hand every day because God has given me a second chance. See, I don't know about you. I don't know about how your life was, but I am thankful that God gives second chances. I really am. If you're one of those people who comes to church and you look mad at the world, it is an insult to the God who gives second chances. We ought to be excited. It ought to be on our faces. We ought not be able to contain it because we're so excited that God has given us another chance. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. And look at what it says in verse 2. It says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Now let me stop again. Let me stop again because because that sounds familiar too. And it really should. That, That really does. It sounds familiar. And you know why? Because that's the exact same thing that God told Jonah to do in Jonah chapter 1 verse 2. And what I want you to see from that is that God's instruction to Jonah did not change. God didn't give Jonah a pass on what he had already called him to do. God said, Jonah, I still have a plan for your life. I still have a purpose for your life. I still have a call on your life. And so you're going to have to start at point A. You say, Robert, I'm just waiting on God to tell me what to do next. Well, maybe, maybe. But, but maybe you need to do what he has already told you to do. See, if you've been given a second chance and you're wondering what in the world is it that God wants me to do, maybe you need to go back and do what he's already told you to do. Maybe it's an apology that you need to give to somebody that you just didn't want to give. Maybe it's to tell somebody that you know you need to tell about Jesus that God has already told you you need to do it. Maybe it's to start doing something that you haven't been doing, or maybe it's to stop doing something that you know you need to stop doing. If God has already told you to do something, you need to go back and do that. Jonah tried to run away from what God had asked him to do. But when he came face to face with God again, God said, I want you to go back and do the exact same thing I've already told you. See, listen to me. What this tells me is that God does not compromise his character to make you and I feel comfortable. He doesn't. God, God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't. See, see, a lot of times we're like, well, I'm not going to do this because I, I just can't do it. God, God, you'll understand. Man, that's foolish. Again, if God has told you to do something, God has never told you to do something, and then said, you know what? I, I, I was probably wrong about telling you to do that. God, God doesn't make mistakes. God is God, and he, he knows what he's doing. And so God gives second 
chances. Not only does God give us a second chance, but the next thing I want you to see this morning is that God gives us His presence. God gives us His presence. See, a lot of scholars believe that when this event happened, when Jonah is spit back, when he's vomited back out of this well, that he's not vomited back up on the shores of Nineveh, which is where God wanted him to go. A lot of scholars believe that this well vomited him back up on the shores of Joppa, where he basically started from. God told, told Jonah, look, it's back to square one for you. And so look at Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 2 again, because there's an amazing promise in this verse that you might not see, that you might be tempted to read over. But here's what the Bible says. God says, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach the message that I tell you. Preach the message that I tell you. God said, preach the message that I tell you, not the message that I told you. He said, preach the message I tell you. God was promising Jonah, hey, look, I'm going to go with you. I, I know, I know that Nineveh is intimidating to you. I know that you're, you're afraid to go, but I am going to go with you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. So in your life and in my life, when we sense that God is asking us to do something and we're a little scared, we've got some hesitation in our life about doing it, would you please know that if God has told you to do it, that he is going to go with you. Jonah started back in Joppa. In Joppa, and remember, or if you remember, Joppa is about 500 miles away from Nineveh. This meant that Jonah still had, he still had some miles to travel before he could get where God wanted him to be. He still had some miles to travel. And it's the same way for you, and it's the same way for me, it's the same way for all of us. See, you will never reach a point in your life where you arrive, where you arrive. Each and every one of us in this room, we've still got some miles to travel to be who it is that God wants us to be and be where it is that God wants us to be. But if we go, if we go where God is telling us to go, and if we do what it is that God is telling us to do, again, he promised to give us, he promises to give us his presence. So God gives a second chance. God gives second chances. God gives his presence. And the third thing that I want you to see this morning that God gives us is God gives us great opportunities. He gives us great opportunities. He gives us great opportunities to see his handiwork. He gives us great opportunities to see him work in supernatural ways. I want you to look at verses 3 and 4 of, of Jonah chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says. It says, So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Now think about Jonah. Think about Jonah. See, see Jonah, Jonah knew that God was calling him to preach in Nineveh. But, but remember how cruel and remember how barbaric the people of Nineveh actually were? Jonah must have thought, man, how in the world, how in the world am I going to be able to make a difference here? I'm just one person. How in the world is anything great going to come of this? But what God was saying is, look, this might seem overwhelming to you, but if you do it, 
great things are going to happen. And so, again, what God was calling him to do might have even seemed impossible. It might have seemed impossible. And have you ever, have you ever been in a position where you felt like God was calling you to do something that was just way above your own self? That was, that was just really, you weren't capable of pulling it off and you think there's just no way. Well, let me tell you that that's, that's, that's one of the ways that you can know whether or not that's really God telling you to do something. Again, because if God calls you to do something far bigger, or here's the deal, the enemy's not going to call you to do something far bigger than yourself because he doesn't want you to depend on God in a, more, in a greater way. He doesn't want you to seek God more and more each and every day. He doesn't want you to draw close to God. And so, if, again, if you sense yourself being pulled in a direction that is bigger than you, you need to know that God is giving you a great opportunity to see his great power. Again, sometimes God calls us to the impossible because he likes to show us that the impossible is possible. And it's not because of our ability, it's because of God's ability. It's because of his ability. So we've got to decide. We have to decide. Are we going to be obedient? even when being disobedient would be so much easier? Are we going to be obedient, even when being disobedient we think might make our life so much simpler and cleaner and convenient? Will we be obedient, even when what God is calling us to do is one of the most difficult things that we can imagine? See, I want you to follow me here. Jonah, Jonah has received a call from God. He's received a call from God. He ran. He was in a storm. And, and, and what happens? He's swallowed by a fish. He's swallowed by a fish. And so he spends three days and three nights inside of this fish. And then he is vomited back up on the shores of Joppa. Now, now when I think about this story, when I think about everything that has happened to Jonah, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, you guys, but man, can you imagine what he looked like? Can you imagine what he, he looked like? I mean, he was inside the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. How many of y'all like to eat? You like to eat. Some of y'all lying, man. I love, I love to eat. I, I got some pictures of some of my favorite food. Check this out. I got a steak up here. Woo! How many of y'all like steak? Filet mignon, ribeye. Man, I love me a steak. I love me a steak. What about this? Crab legs. How many of y'all like crab legs? I could eat my weight in some crab legs, man. I mean, you, you break them open and you dip them in that hot butter. I'm preaching, right? Come on, come on. What about this? Something else I like is I like those buffalo wings. Huh? But, ooh, that's Holy Ghost right there. Praise God. I love it, man. I love me some hot wings. Well, have you ever, hey, here's the deal. No matter how good food looks before you eat it, no matter how good it looks before you eat it, once you eat it, when it comes out, it don't look good, right? In fact, I got a picture I want y'all to see. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all are like, I, don't, I mean, you know what I'm saying? But, but for real, no matter how good food looks before you eat it, it doesn't look that way when it comes out, man. It looks gross. And so, again, Jonah, he's been inside a fish for three days and three nights. I can't help but think some of the acid in that fish's belly kind of bleached his skin a little bit. I can't help but think that he kind of lost some of the hair that he had. And so when he gets to Nineveh to preach, when he gets to Nineveh, don't you know the people in Nineveh looked at him like, man, what happened to that guy? How many of y'all ever seen The Walking Dead? 
like zombies. You know what I mean? I think Jonah and them zombies kind of had a little bit in common. You know what I mean? I think when the people in Nineveh looked at Jonah, man, they were going, what in the world? Think about what he smelled like. I mean, he was inside the, the belly of a fish with all that rotten food. I, I, again, I just, I just can't help but think that nobody was looking at his online dating profile. You know what I mean? When they saw him, they were like, man, something is wrong with that guy. When people looked at him, it was obvious that he had been on a journey with God. It was obvious. So when Jonah hears the word of God again in verse 2, Look what the Bible says. God says, get up and go preach. Go to the great city of Nineveh. So Jonah is supposed to walk into this great city with a great message. This was a great opportunity. And when the people of Nineveh saw him and heard him, they saw a man, again, who had been in the belly of a fish for three days, no hair. Maybe his skin was ye- yellow and brown, had some, some odor. And so Jonah wasn't just preaching. He wasn't just speaking words. His life really was a message. People saw the consequences of what happens when you don't listen to God. How in the world did revival come so quickly to this city? It had to have been because they looked at Jonah and said, you know what, that's a person who knows what he's talking about. God used everything that happened to Jonah to bring a real revival. See, I wonder if you do the same thing that I do. See, I wonder if sometimes you try to hide some of the scars and scratches from your past. Man, there are some times in my life that I look back on and I say, who was that crazy person? Look at that decision he made. Look at who he was hanging out with. Look at what he was doing. What in the world was I thinking? But here's what I want you to see, and you can write it down. Be a good bumper sticker. Sometimes the greatest message is your messy life. Sometimes the greatest message is the mess of your life. I wonder if when God puts us in great opportunities that seem impossible, that all the stuff that's happened in our life, no matter if it's good or if it's bad, I wonder if God wants to use it all. to to bring about supernatural results. Here Jonah must have been thinking, man, this is going to be impossible. This is going to be impossible, but it was made possible by our great God. Jonah must have thought, you know what? This is not what I preferred to happen in my life. This is not what I planned for my life, but this is what happened, and here's how God worked it out. Here's how God used my life mess. See, see how many, I don't know if you've ever seen this, probably not. Uh, how many of y'all ever seen a documentary, documentary about a man named Pearl Fryer? Anybody even know who that name is, Pearl Fryer? Well, let me tell you who this man is. Man, this man is a legend in Bishopville, South Carolina. And there aren't many people who travel to that city to, to visit, but, but, but Pearl Fryer, he has put that place on the map and given it great significance. He would work at his regular job 
all day. And then when he got off of work, he would, he would go and he would, he would work in the garden. And he has made a three and a half acre garden at his house that is beautiful, man. Where, where plants and flowers really are a sight to behold. We got a couple of pictures here. I want y'all to see what's going on. Man, he has, he has made people all around the world, all around our nation. They come to study just what he has done right there. Well, you know how he, he started his hobby. You know how he started his hobby? He went to the local garden center, to the local nursery, and he, and he went out there and he noticed that behind the nursery there was basically a dump, and there were a lot of seedlings. There were a lot of plants that they were just throwing away, and so he went and he found the manager, and he said, hey man, I noticed that you guys have a dump behind there, and y'all have just kind of thrown some, some stuff away. Is it okay if I have that? Can I have what you guys have thrown away and so the manager said yes and so Pearl took those those throwaways to his house and he nurtured them he cared for them and he turned that mess into a masterpiece and not just a masterpiece that he and his wife can look at and enjoy it's a masterpiece where people from all over come to see I wonder I wonder if when God takes parts of your life and my life that we have discarded and thrown away, that we have buried hoping that no one finds. I wonder that if we will allow the master to go back in the back and to get our mess, I wonder if he can't change it into something beautiful. I'm going to tell you, he sure can. He can. God can and he will if we'll give it to him. See, see, here's the deal too, is that God doesn't want to just use your life to make something beautiful for him to look at. He doesn't. He wants it to be something that other people look at and they say, hey, you know what? If God can do something with their mess, God can certainly do something with my mess. So just like Jonah, we've got a great opportunity. Look at verse four again. Look at the message that Jonah preached. This is unbelievable. It says that Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed in 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. In 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Man, I, I can't help but believe that Jonah was a little nervous to deliver that message. I can't. I mean, this is a speaker's nightmare. A speaker's nightmare because in the Hebrew, what this actually is, is it's only five words. It's five words. Words, five words. See, you might not believe this, but uh, every week before I preach, I get nervous. I literally, uh, I literally lay awake sometimes in my bed thinking about what am I going to say? How am I going to make this interesting? How am I going to make people not want to go to sleep while I'm up here talking? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? What What am I going to say? But the message that God gives Jonah is only five words. Five words. Jonah had to have thought, God. We just walked 500 miles together. 500 miles. We just walked all of this way. And the only message that you want me to give the people is five words, no illustrations, no jokes, no, no description. Well, here's what I want you to see. This small message caused a revival to flow for an entire city. And don't miss this. What this shows me, what this shows me is that small obedience that's sprinkled with God's anointing will, will cause supernatural results. It really will. And I don't know about you, 
But I want the presence of God to flow from my life. I want to be obedient to what it is that God has called me to do. And so for you too, for me too, when what it seems like that God is asking you to do might seem so small, five words, five words, when whatever it is that he's calling you to do seems so small and you wonder if it's really going to make a difference, what I want you to know is that it's God's anointing is on it. There will be supernatural results. Look what happens for Jonah. Starting in verse 5, the Bible says, The men of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached, when word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from violence, from the violence he is doing. Five words. Five words. Huge results. I wonder, again, if what God is asking you to do, you think it's so small. You think it won't make a difference. I wonder, do you realize that if he's asking you to do it, it literally can be mind-blowing. Because if God is in us, we've got supernatural power, and we've got some great opportunities. And see, this is an amazing book. The book of Jonah is amazing. In chapter 1, what you see is that a storm obeys God. In chapter 1, you see that a fish obeys God. In chapter 4, you're going to see that a plant obeys God, that a worm obeys God, that a scorching east wind obeys God, that the sun obeys God. Everything in the book of Jonah obeys God except the one who had a relationship with him. Jonah didn't want to obey God. So my question to you today is, are you obeying God? Because we're the ones who are supposed to have a relationship with him. God gives. He gives us all of these things and even greater things. But we've got to obey. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But I wonder today if there's somebody here who really doesn't know God. He's been calling you for some time now. He's been calling you to come home. He's been calling you to come to Him. But you haven't. You've not been obedient. Because you've thought to yourself, what can God do with my life? With the mess that I've made. I want you to know today that God can do supernatural things with your life if you'll just surrender to Him. And so if you're here today and you know you need to give Him your heart and you know you need to give Him your life, I'm going to ask right where you are that you lift your hand because I want to pray for you and I want you to pray with me. Amen. 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 God is moving. Amen. You know, you know that you need to give Him your life. 
If that's you right now, I just want you to pray right where you are. Father, today, I surrender to you. I give you myself, all of me. Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my sins. Wash me and make me whole. I accept today what Jesus Christ has done. Father, and I want to follow you each and every day of my life. Make me into a new person right now as your word says. Father, help me to know what's happening right now in my heart and in my life is real because I know the enemy is going to tell me it wasn't. But help me, Father, to know that you are calling me, that you have saved me, that you do love me, and that you want to make me into something great for you. So thank you today for saving me. Father, I also want to pray for each person in this room, asking that you would help them to realize how good you really are. Help them to realize the great things that you give us each and every day. And help us, Father, to live for you. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.